Hi, this is Amy Pruitt from Food Banjo, and you're listening to the Eat Blog Talk podcast. Hey everyone, real quick, I want to take a moment just to tell you a little bit about Clarity, a powerful tool that allows you to organize, optimize, and update your blog content for maximum growth. Using Clarity, you can create projects to help you optimize and refresh old content on your site. Say you want to go into your old posts and add some internal links to keep readers on your site. You can figure out which of your posts don't already have internal links, assign those posts to a campaign so you know which posts need to be updated. Then you can track your work as you update those posts all within the Clarity app. Clarity users have direct insights that will help them identify which posts to update, figure out what they should be updating and adding to those posts, and understand the impact their updates have with a direct integration into their Google Analytics accounts. If you are interested in learning more and potentially becoming an early adopter of Clarity, you can go to clarity.com forward slash eblogtalk to sign up for the waiting list and receive 50% off your first month. Go to clarity.com forward slash eblogtalk or check out the resources page on eblogtalk.com forward slash resources to learn more. Hello, food bloggers. Welcome to eBlog Talk, the podcast for food bloggers looking for the value and confidence that will move the needle forward in their businesses. This episode is sponsored by Rank IQ. I'm your host, Megan Porta, and you're listening to episode number 347. I have Amy Pruitt with me today. She is going to talk to us about how even with limited time, you can make the most of time throughout the day in order to grow your blog. Amy is a food blogger by night, marketing manager by day. She holds a full-time job. She is a mom to two small kids, but she has still been able to scale monthly sessions from 10K to over 80K over the last year by making the most of her time wisely. Amy has experience in providing freelance food photography for restaurants, books, and even did a shoot for Food & Wine magazine. Ooh, that's so cool. But eventually realized she loved blogging and creating recipes more. Amy turned her focus on creating recipes for Food Banjo and loves everything about food and blogging. Love your bio, Amy. I'm super excited for our chat today. But before we get into it, we want to hear what your fun fact is. Sure. So my fun fact is that I got married in Florence, Italy. Oh, that's the coolest thing ever. And how was that? I'm sure it was amazing. It was it was amazing. It was it was a very small wedding. I think we had maybe five guests, but that was just the way we wanted to do it. We didn't want a big wedding, so we just decided let's do something romantic in Italy that, you know, just has a few people there. Had you been there prior to that? We hadn't. Neither of us had. Oh wow. So it was it was my husband and I first time both being there and it was amazing. Oh gosh, that makes me want to travel. Just hearing that is like, oh. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful country. Absolutely. Oh, good. How long were you there total? We were there for probably about two weeks in Florence. And then we took a ferry over to Croatia and had a honeymoon in Croatia for a few days. Oh, I've heard Croatia is just beautiful. It is. It's so amazing. I would love to go back someday and to Italy, both of those places. Yeah, right. Oh, that's so inspiring. I love it. And how long ago was that? How long have you been married? That was, let's see, eight years ago. So oh, nice. A while, but maybe maybe we'll get to go back for a 10-year anniversary. We'll see. Oh, yeah. Now that things are kind of opening up and more normal-ish. Yes. That is a possibility, right? Right. And get to take the kids. (laughs) 
Yes, right. Oh, I love it. Okay, so I'm really excited to hear about your amazing time management and how you use that to do a lot of things. You have a lot going on. You have a full-time job. You are a food blogger. You love food blogging. You have a family and children. So would you mind starting just by talking through your blogging journey when you started and how that's evolved for you? Sure. So I've probably been doing blogging since 2001, a long time, but I always kind of had more just personal blogs where I would put up, you know, writing about what I was doing and photos of, you know, where my husband and I would be walking around cities or travels, but I've always loved food. And I have loved watching food on the Food Network for years, even Yan Can Cook back on PBS back in the day. So food has always been something I've loved. And so, and then I started doing food photography. People just started hiring me to shoot food. So that exposed me more and more to just delicious food. And so in 2016, I finally decided, okay, I've been blogging for a long time and I have this love of food. It's time to start a food blog. Um, And I knew a lot of other people that were doing it too. So I decided that that was the time and I was just going to do it for fun basically at that point. So the first few years of the blog were more for fun and just putting up what I like to eat and over time just evolving it into what it is today. So now you focus more on just being a little bit more strategic and not just doing it for fun. I mean, you have to sprinkle in fun too, right? So you're actually starting to grow as a business, correct? Exactly. So yeah, those first few years were just, yeah, the blog was a nice distraction. It was a nice thing to do. But over the time, as I really decided to make it a business, it has been really focusing on those strategic things that are working and not just putting up what I like to eat every day. Right. So you do have limited time. You've got a lot going on and a lot of people listening. A lot of my listeners are in the same boat where they've got either another full-time job or a part-time job or family or all of the above like you and want to know probably tips so that they can manage their time better and be more strategic. So what are some key things that you do in order to make all of this work and to be an effective, efficient food blogger who can run a business? Sure. So I think probably the first thing I did was, you know, having started the blog in 2016, I've experimented with a lot of different posts over the years. And of course, there are ones that are dear to my heart, but they've never performed well. But I really, over the years, just taken a look at Google Analytics and just dove into seeing what posts are being successful and then focusing on creating more of that content. So even if it wasn't something I was passionate about at the start, I've become passionate about it as I've started leaning into the content that's working. And so I think that was a big thing that was able to drive my growth and finally get on an ad network. But it's just, yeah, seeing what people liked that I was posting. And so that was really good. And just, you know, I have a lot of old posts there too, back from 2016 that don't do well. They were really competitive keywords, posts that I was just creating before thinking about keyword research. So it really has been doing keyword research too, even before I'm creating those recipes. So Google Analytics, I use key search a lot just to kind of then dive in and say, here's what's working for me. And when I'm creating more of that type of content, I'm going to key search first to see how competitive the keywords are and what the search volume looks like before I actually take the steps to creating the recipe. Here's something I've been experimenting with recently, and it kind of ties into this. 
is looking at what's working, like you're saying, Amy, and then also looking at my old content that's outdated and trying to like make it work with what's working, if that makes sense. So like, can I put a twist on this so it relates to the things that are working? Does that make sense? Absolutely. I have actually been doing that some this year too, is I've used Clarity for it to really go through. That's a, it's a really cool product. I think I've heard you mention it on here before, but I've gone through and kind of tagged, you know, posts from 2016 about which ones I need to go through and update in certain ways, looking at the alt tags, just anything, revising the content, new photos, whatever it is, and figuring out which of those old posts I think have potential for updating and also just for good user experience. Cause even if I can't rank for it, I want, if somebody does stumble upon it, I do want to still provide them with a great experience, make sure the recipe is still great and that the post has whatever information they need to be able to make it successfully. Yeah, that's a good strategy. I feel like there are plenty of longtime bloggers and long time, it doesn't have to be like 12 years like me, but like four years or more, five years or more. And there's value in going back and redoing some of that old content and getting into your Google Analytics and just seeing like you're doing, like what is working here and then creating more of that. Do you have any examples like something that you found was working and what you began creating because of that? Yeah. So I got an air fryer I think at the end of 2020 and started um, using it to cook. And I love it. I love it. And I started making air fryer recipes for my blog and people seem to love the air fryer recipes Ah. I'm creating too. So I always try to think about, okay, what's something fun and unique that I can make in my air fryer that other people would want to make too. That's delicious. And so that's something that's been working for me really well. Now I, try to pepper in other posts too, because I know my readers aren't just, you know, not all of them might have air fryers and I want to want to create other types of content too that, you know, I love and not just have it be air fryer recipes, but that is one area that I realized that those posts were doing well. And so I went through and created, have been creating more of those. Mm, That's a good example. And I'm just curious with your limited time and your schedule, how much are you able to create? Like how many posts do you create per week, per month or whatever? Sure. I try to get up two to three posts per week. And some weeks, you know, it might only be one and some weeks it might be four. So it depends a little bit, but I, yeah, I try to at least get up on average about two to three a week. That is awesome. That's really ambitious and awesome that you can do that. So that kind of leads into my next question, which is how do you prioritize all of the tasks involved? Because there's so many, right? There's, I mean, video, photos, writing, recipe development, cooking, all of the things. So how do you prioritize all of that? Yeah. So I think the big thing for me is to not get distracted by the bright, shiny object. I think, you know, there's a lot of a lot of things that are big right now, Instagram reels, TikTok. And I know a lot of people are saying, yes, bloggers need to do that. And we probably do. But when you have limited time, I found that I've just been better about prioritizing what is actually driving me traffic right now and creating that written content that is going to kind of bring in traffic over time rather than a TikTok video or Instagram reel that's going to be gone in a few days and no one's going to see it. So just in terms of growing my traffic numbers, 
I have not prioritized video, even though it's something I actually really enjoy doing. But from a time perspective, it just hasn't been worth it for me yet. And that's not to say that down the road you can't, but for now, I think it's really smart that you're focusing on like what is going to bring me traffic and money now and then, you know, like leaving the door open for possibilities down down the road, especially since you enjoy it. Exactly. I would love to do more video because yeah, it is, it is fun and it's kind of fun to get your face out there and show people how to do something live or, you know, have a video instead of just the written content. So I hope to do more of it one day once I'm able to have a little bit more time to do it. Is your end goal to leave your full-time job or do you want to try to make this all work for an extended period? That's a good question. You know, I, I work in marketing, so I feel like it's very relevant to food blogging in the sense that we have to market ourselves as food bloggers too and market our content. And I work for a fantastic company. So I think it'd be nice to maybe be in a financial position to make that decision, be making enough money off, yeah. off of the blog to be able to say, okay, I, ha- I could make this decision right now. But for now, I'm, I'm happy doing both and just trying to make the most of my time. And yeah, so I, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens yeah. in the future. <laughs> Well, clearly you're making it work now and yeah, things can evolve over time. So I was just curious, are there any ways that you, like I always say, kill two birds with one stone, like getting things done efficiently, like knocking out two tasks in one, anything like that that you can impart to others? Yeah, that's a good question. I think one thing that I do is... I definitely try to recipe test what we're making for dinner. So a lot of times if I have something that I know I want to shoot, I'll actually make it for dinner for my husband and myself. So that way I can recipe test it out and also get his feedback on how he, what the flavors are like and everything. So I'm getting, you know, more opinions and really figure out the recipe to a T if it works or if it doesn't, if I need to, you know, alter some stuff. And so that way, when it's time for me to shoot it, I've got it figured out and I can be really efficient with shooting it and know that I'm shooting something that's going to work and the plating works and I kind of have it all figured out at that point. So I'm not trying to figure out while I'm shooting it. Yeah, that's smart. And does your husband give you good feedback? Is he a good recipe tester? He does. He used to actually do all our cooking. And then I, yeah, so he used to do all our cooking. And then I just really fell in love with it once we started the blog. And he and I actually started the blog together. So he, some of the early posts are actually written by him and the recipes are created by him. But he, he's stepped away from it because he's, you know, he's got other stuff to do and I love it more than he does. But so he provides really good feedback on kind of if he thought something was too lemony or if it didn't have enough flavor or, you know, whatever that is, he, he gives some really great feedback. That is underrated value right there because I know a lot of spouses or kids or anyone who lives in your home who might not be a great recipe tester. It's so valuable to have that, right? My husband is really great at that too. And I take it for granted. I don't know what I would do if I didn't have anyone to tell me, give me feedback. I think that is so valuable to have that right in your home. Exactly. And I know he's going to be honest, <laughs> which right. if, if, if I'm serving it to my mom or a friend, I, I'm not sure I would get that. <laughs> yeah. my So my dad is like, he's the most easy to please with food. He'll be like, oh, this is so great. And it's like clearly burnt or something is <laughs> wrong with it. But he would he would not be a good recipe tester. So. <laughs> well, I'm glad, you, I'm glad you have that in your husband. Then. <laughs> I know. I know. I do too. 
Let's take a quick break to talk about the Eat Blog Talk Mastermind program, food bloggers. If you are looking for a supportive group of peers to hold you accountable in 2023 so you can level up, this program is for you. By joining the Eat Blog Talk Mastermind program, you will accomplish more in 12 months than you would in over five years when relying on your own efforts. You will find clarity on projects and you'll expand your network of peers, which will open up tons of opportunity for you and your business. Also, you will get firsthand access to relevant trends and information that will stop your wheels from spinning once and for all. Secure your spot now in order to lock in at the current pricing. You will also get your 90-minute planning session now with me so you have a solid plan for your business heading into Q4. And you'll be able to attend all monthly guest expert sessions for the remainder of 2022. To get in on all this value, go to eatblogtalk.com forward slash mastermind. Again, eatblogtalk.com forward slash mastermind. And the rest of us cannot wait to have you in the group. Now back to the episode. So you mentioned like recipe testing at dinner time. So you don't do your photos then. So when do you do your photo shoots? Yeah. So I still love natural light. And even though I've taken courses for artificial light, I've never really gotten the hang of it yet. So I definitely do all my shooting during the daytime. So I actually, I'm lucky enough that I work from home so I can cook my meals at home every day for lunch. So I actually, a lot of times do lunchtime photo shoots. So when I'm taking my lunch break, I have my I know exactly what I'm going to do, like I said, because I I had tested it at dinner time, And so I can, I have everything written down. So at lunch, I can just make a recipe, take photos of it then, and have that as my lunch. So I typically wind up doing that two to three times a week, which really helps. Before I, was, before I worked from home back pre-pandemic times, it actually was a lot harder. But working from home has actually made it a lot easier to shoot things several times a week. Oh, that's awesome. I remember when I was back in working in the corporate world and I was trying to run my food blog. So I was kind of doing the same thing, but I did work outside my home. I I worked like, I want to say it was a 15 minute drive, maybe 20 minute drive from my house. So I would rush home at lunch. I would photograph whatever, like super fast. I'd have it all set up and ready to go. And then I'd rush back to work and it was so crazy, but you have to make it work, especially if you are using natural light, which I've always done as well. But yeah, you just like, you find those little pockets and you just squeeze it in. You just make it work. Absolutely. And I found, I, you know, I know the spot in my house that works best for shooting mm-hmm. at lunchtime. So I, I, you know, can get everything set up really easily and yeah, just be really as efficient as possible shooting it. Yeah. I used to do it like right in my doorway. We had this town home and the light, the natural lighting coming in through that doorway was always so perfect. So I would rush home, set up my little board, my photography board, put my food there. And I always thought like my neighbors must think I'm absolutely bonkers because I'm like, like squeal into the driveway and get out my food, open the door, take pictures and then leave. <laughs> Super funny. Hey, there's, there's a lot we have to do with food bloggers. <laughs> I know. I know it. It's funny though. Like it's kind of comical what we do in order to make this job work, but we love it so much that of course we find those little ways to be efficient and make it work. So what other advice do you have for us for those who are looking to be more efficient, strategic with their work? Sure. So 
if anybody who's listening that has kids probably knows how little time you have in the evenings when you have kids, because there's, of course, bedtime routines and everything. And my kids are two and four. So Mm. trying to get them to go to bed and stay in bed can be a challenge. But luckily, I think, you know, one thing is my husband is really good about he does bedtime for my son, the two year old. And so that really helps. And so it helps me carve out time in the evening, which is when I typically try to sit down and do my food blog writing. So I, I try to dedicate one to two hours a night. Sometimes it's one hour, sometimes it's two, just depending on how the evening goes. But that way that that gives me the time to actually sit down and write the posts or update old posts. Or sometimes I just kind of do batch work too. I might create a bunch of pins for Pinterest in 30 minutes. So I've got, you know, a bunch for months almost. And so I'll just try to sit down and just try to get in an hour or two of work every evening on the blog. And it doesn't feel like work because I love it so much. So but that's that's kind of my time to do a lot of the work. That's awesome that you have a spouse that can help you with that. I think that is a huge advantage. And many people don't have that. I always took that for granted. And then I started talking to more people and learned that I was actually really blessed to have a husband who did similar things. So he would put our boys to bed and just like carve out time for me and protect my time. Do you have any insights or advice for people who maybe don't have that support? Yeah, I think, you know, I would say you just have to kind of know your schedule a little bit and also know when you're most productive. So I feel like there are some people that the nighttime works best for them, like it does in my case where my husband can kind of help with bedtime. So I have the time for some people. It might be waking up an hour early before your kids are up or before you have to go to work or something to do work during that time frame. Or, you know, I don't actually get a lot of work done on the weekends because we're trying to do a lot with the kids, but maybe it is carving out, you know, some hours on the weekend. So I think everybody just kind of has to assess their own time because everybody's situation is obviously different and just kind of look at your life and say, where do I have the time? Where, you know, maybe you're doing something like scrolling Instagram mindlessly, you're, you know, spending a lot of time just watching TV shows that, you know, if you really enjoy your blog, maybe you would just want to prioritize your blog stuff instead of some of the other stuff. So I think it's just really going through and taking a close look at how you're spending your day and where you might have those free hours that you don't think you have. I have found that a tiny bit of intentionality and just sitting down before a week begins and doing exactly what you said, like mapping out what can work and just making it happen can go so far. It takes me like 15, 20, sometimes 30 minutes just to sit down kind of figure out how to piece my week together, who can help here and when I'm going to squeeze that in with this. And just doing that is so valuable. Megan, you're speaking my love language here. <laughs> I am I'm a big list maker every single morning. And at the beginning of the week, the first thing I do is I have columns for, you know, just life stuff food banjo stuff, and then my full time job stuff. And I go through and kind of map out what I need to do each day for everything. So that way, it doesn't take up that brain space. And I feel Mm -hmm. so organized going into the week what I actually need to accomplish. And so I can just refer back to my list. And then I mean, I'm sure everybody I know so many people are the same way I love just crossing those things off once I actually once I accomplish something, it just gives me, you know, so much joy to cross things off the list. 
And those days and those weeks when I don't think ahead, those are the times when I'm like mindlessly scrolling on an Instagram, like catch myself and say, what am I doing? You like, yeah, you don't need to be doing this. There are more efficient things to be doing right now. So that kind of like takes that problem out of it. Like it it eliminates that mindless work or not even work, like mindlessness out of your life. When you know what you're doing going into it, it just... Oh my gosh, it just makes everything so much easier. I'm a huge list maker too. I love crossing things off lists. <laughs> yes. I think I think everybody, you know, I think anybody that goes through the exercise is always a little bit surprised at probably how much time they they actually find that they do have to do stuff. And I've I found that to to be the case. And that's why I feel like I've been able to get stuff accomplished is by just making the most use of every little bit of time. Yeah. And you have to when you have a full-time job. And I feel like people in your situation have to. They have to be efficient. And it's people that maybe don't necessarily have all of their time filled that kind of get loosey-goosey with scrolling on Facebook and that sort of thing. And they need to kind of rein it in a little bit. I get that way too because my boys go to school. You know, We get help cleaning our home. And it's not like I need to be super efficient, but I have to, I have to rein myself in too sometimes. I know. I remember back in college, one of the semesters that I actually did the best grades wise was when I was taking a full course load and working two part-time jobs. And, you know, it was just, mm. I didn't have any free time. So I made the most of every single bit of time I had that semester. And it was fantastic. And I think back to that all the time as an example of, of just how you know, sometimes not having as much time actually lets you accomplish more. I so agree with that. Do you find you get more drained though when it's like that? Because I get like, you just have to be on like, okay, now I'm supposed to be doing this and now I'm going here. So at the end of the day, I'm a little more tired and maybe I sleep better. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I think one thing that I do is I really try to take the weekends to not do too much on the blog. I think that's when I try to just be a lot more present with my kids. I'll, you know, just sit in front of the TV a little bit on the weekends. So I feel like during the week is really when I just focus on everything. And then on the weekends, I kind of give myself a little bit more, more time to, to relax and read books and just do all that more relaxing stuff. Yeah, even though I totally agree with you, Amy, that I love my job so much. When I get into my work, I'm immersed and I'm like, this is great. I love almost every task that I do, which is good, but you still need downtime. Your brain still needs rest time. So weekends, I mean, find some time during your week when you can give your brain that rest because I think even though you may love your job like the two of us do, your brain still needs a break. Absolutely. You don't want to get burnt out in any way on this. And so, yeah, you always, I I feel like I always want to love it. So I don't want Mm -hmm. to be overwhelmed by it. Okay. When do you squeeze in learning? Because I know you're an avid podcast listener and I mean, clearly your business is taking off. So I'm assuming that you learn and you prioritize that. So when do you squeeze that in? Yeah. So I do love learning, um, like you, like you said, and I think, you know, one of the easiest ways is to learn is from podcasts because it's so timely. You know, if you read a book that can help, but it depends on the topic, but I feel like in food blogging, especially when you're trying to stay on top of food blogging trends, being as up to date as possible is so necessary. So I love listening to podcasts and 
I try to squeeze them in just when I'm doing other stuff that doesn't require a lot of thinking. So I tend to listen to podcasts a lot, either while I'm folding laundry or doing dishes or, you know, some, a lot of times when I'm cooking dinner. So I just try to listen to them pretty much in the evenings when I'm just doing that, like the, basically the household chores, because then it also helps make the chores a little bit more fun. I Mm. actually don't really like doing dishes, but if I'm listening (laughs) to podcasts, I don't mind it. So, and I also don't really like folding laundry, but again, if I'm listening to podcasts, <laughs> I don't mind it. So yeah, I just try to try to use my time wisely. So cleaning doesn't feel like it's taking away from time that I could be doing something else. So yeah. yeah. And you can kind of lose yourself in those mindless chores when you are listening to podcasts or something that you're really interested in. I don't like doing dishes. I don't like doing laundry either. (laughs) Does anyone, I mean, is there anyone out there that likes, I don't know, maybe there is, but they're not my favorite, but I do the same. (laughs) Like I'm going to make this a little bit more enjoyable and turn something on that's actually going to be fun to listen to or valuable, right? Exactly. I love that you do that too. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Anything we missed, any other advice or tips you have for us about how to make the most of our time? No, I think, I think the biggest thing is just to, you know, everybody's situation is different, but most of us struggle. I feel like time is, is one of those things that nobody feels like they have enough of these days. And so I think it's just everybody looking at their own specific situation and kind of identifying the time that you do have and also looking at your priorities, because if your priority is to, to grow your blog, pretty significantly than it does mean sacrificing other things. But if you love it and make it a priority, then I think anybody can be successful with the time that they have. They just have to kind of look at what's working and, and kind of make some of these decisions and, and work to grow their blog. This has been so great, Amy. You are, you speak my language. This is everything that I believe and live as well. So this has been such a fun conversation and I hope that food bloggers are inspired by it and just take more initiative to be intentional about their time because it's really, really helpful. So thank you for being here today. Absolutely, Megan. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Do you have either a favorite quote or words of inspiration to leave us with? I do. This is my all-time favorite quote and I have no idea where it came from, but done is better than perfect. Oh, amen. I lo- I love it because I feel like especially with blogs, they're always a work in progress. So you might think you can't launch your blog until it looks a certain way, or you can't put up videos unless they're super polished. But I think it's better to just get it out there and then iterate on it. And because you never know what's going to work. And so just get it done. Don't try to make it perfect. Just do it. I love it. Such great advice, Amy. We'll put together a show notes page for you. If you want to go look at those, you can go to eatblogtalk.com forward slash food banjo. Tell everyone where they can find you online, on social media, and everywhere else. Yeah, so I'm pretty much food banjo everywhere. So you can go to foodbanjo.com and on pretty much all the social media channels, I'm food banjo. So all one word, food banjo. But yeah, I'd love to hear and connect with anybody. Great. Well, thank you again so much, Amy, for being here. And thank you for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Eat Blog Talk. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be so grateful if you posted it to your social media feed and stories. I will see you next time.